Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. What's up, guys? Let's go over the event schedule here first. I got the Fambundant Solar Eclipse Adventure, August 17th to 22nd. Special guest, Caleb Maddox. He's an incredible 15-year-old. He's got a massive, massive YouTube following. If your kids are not following Caleb Maddox, they need to. He will be there with his father. He is an incredible guy. Also, I got uh, the Tribal Gathering in Austin, Texas. Just announced Tucker Max. Uh, he wrote a couple books. One is Assholes Finish First and Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. Not necessarily the role model that uh, we want all you guys to follow. But, you know, you either love him or hate him. If you hate him, uh, maybe because he probably gave you or your spouse some sort of venereal disease. Allegedly, uh, he has uh, thrown away his behaviors and he is now... A serious businessman and family man, and you have an ability to talk to him in an intimate setting. I uh, get to know him. He's got this company, Book in a Box, where he's creating books for people now that can sell a ton. And for all the controversy that he did cause, he sold a ton, probably an incredible amount of books. An incredible amount of books. His first book was on the New York Times bestseller list, like a very, very long time. So that is going to be happening then. And then we got the couples trip again, you know, might be one spot there. Reach out to Melanie and find out, out about that. And we got South Africa, probably a spot or two. If anybody you know is interested, depending on if this lodge we're staying at is full or not, but uh, you can reach out to Melanie about that. That is going to be a crazy, crazy trip. We got 15 GoBros already signed up for 10 days in South Africa. Amazing. And then, of course, our winter adventure in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Yeah, we got the Fan Bundits families January 13th to 16th. And then we got the Go Bundits Brothers. That's you, January 16th through 19th. And uh, we are definitely limiting this to 100 people. So definitely uh, get your deposit in now. Only costs a grand to put your deposit in. We are working on uh, a killer speaker list. You know, by the names again, if everybody likes Tucker. Garrett Gunderson is speaking, who wrote Killing Sacred Crowds and has an incredible company, The Wealth Factory. He's all about money and making money and saving money, investing money. And, of course, our boy Hal Elrod hopefully will be there, uh, dependent on upon how he's recovering. But he will be in Austin, too, by the way. So, you know, if you want to check out Hal, that's where he lives. So he should be there at the summer event there. Another reason to go to Austin. But we need... A group. We're putting together a group, and we want it to be Go Bros. We don't want it to be elders. We want it to be Go Bros because you guys understand, you know, oh, I didn't like that speaker last time, or I didn't like the way you guys did this, or this thing seemed like a waste of time. We really want your input. So we're looking at almost up to 10 Go Bros. And the benefit is, you know, you get to help create our January event. And because there's 10 people, it's not like, you know, we're going to like stick you with a massive amount of work. We're just looking for your input and your creativity and your help a little bit and helping us put this whole thing together. And we want a lot of different opinions. So if you want to be somebody, one of maybe 10 or so people, 
that helps plan the Steamboat event, please reach out to Melanie, melanie at GoBundance.com. And yeah, so anyways, we're already starting to work on some incredible trips for uh, 2018. And definitely you want to get your uh, bucket list items checked if you haven't already for 2017 because there's amazing things there. And one more thing, guys, please go to the Facebook page and just in the search bar, just type in Pillar Killer. Or if you look to the top, it's saved to the top and fill out the form that we have for Pillar Killers. And what a Pillar Killer is, is, you know, someone in the tribe, there's 130 members now of the members that you know, who is a person that represents our six pillars, age defying health. Boom. There's a guy in my head I think of already. You know, think of like an older dude that looks like a 20-year-old or think of just someone who is like daily doing what's right to live forever. Extreme accountability, boom. Who called you out on something recently? Nominate them, right? Easy. Genuine contribution. Who's out there giving back? Who's making a difference? Who's making the world a better place? Bucket list adventure. You know, who's out there getting the goods, as Timmy Road would say? Who's out there having fun? right doing memorable stuff taking pictures that if they died they would hang them up at their funeral around the coffin here's me on cager bolton rock here's me at the top of kilimanjaro who's doing these bucket list pictures right horizontal income you don't want to nominate someone for horizontal income if if their ratio is 10 percent you know whose horizontal income pays their bills plus 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 and authentic relationships who's you know who has an envious marriage really who has an envious marriage which one of the go bros is having the most sex right or which one of the go bros is getting the, the deepest relationships with people has the most friends is an incredible patriarch that's a good one who's the best patriarch right for their family who thinks like a patriarch as we all should be thinking like patriarchs nominate that person but here's the killer guys you can't nominate an elder elders don't count right because everybody knows the elder so they're top of mind and it's too easy to nominate an elder so no elders please no pat tim david rock mark or mike zip that's it pick there's 124 others to pick from just scroll through your facebook friends nominate six killer pillars or at least just go in and nominate one or two i don't care and also if you're tied if you're like man this guy is is hyper focused on horizontal and this guy's hyper focused you can nominate them both it does allow you to nominate more than one person for for one category so go and do it please results to come in the future it's a fun thing so please do it thank you that's it for now guys grab life big brothers grab life big Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on call. Me too. You're doing great. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. life big all right go we have scroll number eight yes i think mark swagger is scroll number five because um he came on a trip to spain with david and i mike mccarthy is scroll number four 
if you're curious about the scrolls, it's basically Osborne. I gave him number one because I felt like being nice, and his ego needed it more than mine. So I gave him one. I, I took number two. Tim, we gave three because David and I met uh, Tim at a event in Chicago like three or maybe five years after we met. McCarthy went to Africa with us to Mount Killy. And then Mark Swagger went to Spain with us. It was six of us, but two guys never joined. They, they flaked out. Then we met Rock and Yegi. And then we met Andrew. So Andrew was number eight. Actually, number nine is Ricky Williams, if he decides to surface ever again. But so <laughs> Andrew's eight and Ricky's nine. I think Andrew, I think uh, Ricky almost quit the same day because you kept beating him in spades that night, right? Yeah, that was a, that, that was a, that was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I think Andrew and Jason tonight crushed him and uh, David. They both were pissed in spades yeah. all night. They wouldn't get up off the table. Everyone else was having a good time. So, anyways, I'm digressing here. Listen, I got Andrew Cushman in the room. What's up, Drew? Hey, hey Pat. Good to be here. Let me shut up and let you talk. What, uh, Andrew? You know, why don't you give us a five minute story of your life from the day you were born till now in a, a short a sequence of events here. Sure. I, I was actually born in New England. Um, and then from the time I was born up until about the beginning of high school, we actually bounced back and forth between uh, Massachusetts and Texas. So I think I went to Texas for the first time in second grade and then fourth grade went back to Massachusetts and all the kids called me a Texican, which was great. <laughs> and then uh, headed back to Texas for, for good at the start of high school and then uh, went to Texas A&M after I graduated. And, you know, growing up, I, I guess I think I started my first business at the age of five. And uh, my grandfather and I would, in the summers, walk around the golf course near his house. And, you know, I'd go into the woods and try to avoid the poison ivy and pick out all the balls the guys had lost. And I'd go back and clean them and then get my little red wagon and sit there at the, uh, at the, at the crossing and sell the balls back to the guys who, uh, who had just lost them the day before. And uh, so, I can, you know, growing up in high school, I mowed lawns, I shoveled snow, I raked leaves, uh, whatever, I you know, painted fences, anything I could do to, to just earn some extra money. And so when it came time to go to college, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and own my own business, but I can't really had no idea what that was going to be. So I just, I picked chemical engineering because I figured, hey, it's a solid degree. I should be able to get a good paying job anywhere uh, until I figure out my real calling. So I went and did that, got the chemical engineering degree, graduated. And um, while I was in college, my parents said, hey, see you. We're moving to California. And I'm like, well, I don't like California, so I'm not going out there. And then I visited for Christmas break one time, and they were living in this place called Lake Arrowhead. It's up in the mountains over L.A. And you know, you can go to the beach and there's ski area 20 minutes up the road. I'm like, geez, this ain't so bad. So I graduated in uh, December 99, came out to California, took seven months off, worked as a professional ski instructor, did a whole bunch of surfing, uh, traveled around a bit, then started work. And a couple of years later, uh, met the woman who had become the best wife ever. And uh, she had the same idea about uh, starting our own business. 
And so we did all kinds of experimentation. We, uh, she, you know, she made stuff and sold it online. We uh, made a giant mess of our house one weekend, making flavored popcorns in the kitchen, and a lot of the stuff tasted good. But uh, <laughs> we figured that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna do. We looked into vending, and you know, kind of what we realized on most of these things is, you know, we're making a little bit of money, but this is probably just gonna turn into another big job. Uh, and then at one point, we discovered. Uh, flipping houses and uh, went and actually hired, took a class and hired a mentor, flipped our first one in 2007, right before the markets froze and it went really well. So I walked in and quit my job and uh, went full time on that. Two years later, uh, Veronica quit her job as well. And uh, we've been full time real estate investors since then. That's in awesome. 2000, yeah, 2010, we had, you know, we had looked back and said, "Hey, 2009 was a really good year, but this isn't going to last forever, right?" I mean, you know, fortunately, all these people aren't going to continue to go through foreclosure, and the economy is going to recover. So we said, "Well, what's what's going to be the next big thing? What's what's about to start a big a big run?" And we kind of we said, "All right, well, we think that's apartments." Uh, so we kind of followed the same path. We um, just by word of mouth, we asked around, found a mentor that we actually just hired to teach us the apartment business. Uh, at was the time, his name had, Tim Rode? No, Tim Rode was actually one of our um, early mentors in the uh, single family business. Oh, and I will okay. digress to say, I w- we would not be anywhere near where we are today if it was not for Tim Rode. Damn. That guy has. Or, yeah, that guy has poured so much into our lives. It's incredible. Timmy. Uh, yeah, definitely. That is shout it. Out to Timmy. Yeah. And good. Yeah, so and then in 2011, we bought our, our first apartment complex. was a mostly vacant property, 92 units on the other side of the country. And ever since we've done since then, the last six years, I guess, yeah, six years, we've done about 1,600 units. And uh, we do have done apartments full-time for about five years. And Sweet. so far, so good. And you got two beautiful boys, right? Yes, I do. They uh, they definitely uh, keep us on our toes. How old are they? Three and five. Nice, great ages, man. Great ages. Got them out of diapers, I guess, right? Oh yeah, them? we just just got the younger one out of diapers, and I just I mean, well, you know, they just it, it, every day it's just the things they say. It's just it's hilarious. Yeah. It's we a like to trip. keep a real. We like to keep a running jar of things they say, so at the end of the year we can read through and review them <laughs> and laugh and remember. Yeah, and then keep it, you know, like uh, put them in wax paper or seal them yeah, somehow, yeah, yeah. you know. All right, cool. Let's get some uh, nitty-gritty. So, you know, you are the apartment guy, the horizontal income man. What um, uh, what, mm-hmm. what percentage are you, Drew? Yeah, on a personal level, probably 150%, somewhere around there. Uh, but what actually I kind of my goal is, is or our goal is to, is to have not only our personal expenses, but all of our business expenses covered by horizontal incomes. And that includes uh, employees and, and just regular business expenses. The reason being is we just we want that not only us personally, but the, the business to be self-sustainable, meaning we don't have to do deals. We don't have to go out and create mm. vertical income. We can make decisions that are made because they're good decisions and not because of any financial need or desire or whatever. Right. So there's certain business costs that you don't put on the investors of an apartment building or the apartment building itself, right? It's just Andrew Cushman Enterprises has costs. Explain that a little. 
Yeah, sure. So I've got I've got a full time office manager that's you know on payroll, so she gets a W two and vacation and benefits and all that kind of you stuff. You couldn't divide that up in, in in between all the apartments. Um, I'm actually the the. The way our apartments, I, you know, I probably could, but the way we're structured, we actually just we don't do that. It's pain in the um, ass, I guess. And then, you, then you got yeah. stockholders being like, "Drew, what's this lady?" You know. And next thing you know, you find out that she's doing your personal taxes or something, and you know, it's not fair. Yeah, you, you mean you're, you're exactly right, and it, it it's just kind of I like, don't want to blur the lines of like, well, wait, is that a personal expense? Is that your business? Is that your overhead? So in general, we just we just pay for that. Now, if we're doing a a new acquisition and she spends you know an extra fifty hours on that, then I might allocate that time as an acquisition expense, but it's a one time thing and ongoing. We just pay for it out of our own pockets. So. That's awesome. Okay, so Drew, so 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 listen, you know, you're scroll number eight. You've been it you've been in the GoBundance game a long time. Um, but let's not assume that everybody knows who Andrew Cushman is because you know, we're adding uh, you know, a new member every week here. Uh, just uh, awesome. you know, now that the word is out and the internet's out and people like Brandon are writing articles on Forbes uh, magazine online about uh, GoBundance and and so with that being said, would you mind uh, stepping back a little bit and explaining to the GoBros exactly what you do? How does Andrew Cushman make money, right? You used to be, you know, this engineer. You had a big salary. Uh, now you went into the world of entrepreneurship. Like how – where does your income come from? My income comes from solving the problem of anyone who has – investable cash sitting around is getting you know nothing with that cash sitting around so i provide the opportunity to get horizontal income for them by bringing them opportunities to invest in apartment complexes so i mean that, that that's the short version it's and called it was like, let's get some specifics like how do you get paid yeah. you get a one percent fee ac- oh, you know about your acquisition fee you get a fee you get a you end up owning a percentage of it you know kind of run us through how some of those scenarios look yeah so on each acquisition like you mentioned there is an acquisition fee it's you know, on a smaller deal, it might be 3% of the purchase price. On a larger one, it might be 2 or even down to 1%. Uh, there's a 1% asset management fee. So if a property collects $50,000 in revenue a month, then 1% would be $500. There is a, a disposition fee, meaning once we, if, when we sell the property, and assuming it's a successful sale and investors have returned all their capital and preferred return, uh, then uh, that fee is usually it's 1% of the sales price. And then also, which is low, because I think I heard Grant Cardone saying he was getting, you know, like a 6%. I, I could be, I could be mixing this up, but some of these uh, guys out there are doing like uh, real estate commissions, like 3% and 6% on that disposition yeah, free, that. which is egregious. I, I agree with you. So that's, yeah. Um, I just, I don't feel. I don't feel good about taking that big of a chunk, so it's so for us it's one percent, and uh, but and then there's also a um, twenty five usually twenty five but sometimes twenty five to thirty percent carve out, meaning for every hundred dollars of profit that a property makes, seventy five dollars goes to the investors and twenty five dollars goes to the sponsor, which uh, which would be me and, and usually a couple other principals. 
And now, assuming that the preferred return to the investors has been met. So, uh, yeah, so those are the ways that, that, that I make money. Oh, and there's also if we, um, a lot of the properties we have a refinance built into the business model. And uh, if that refinance is successful, then uh, there's a fee that's equal to 1% of the, the new loan balance. For the refi? The new right. The so if you get out fifty percent back, then you 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 get a a one percent of that, and okay. So this is uh, this is cool, and and I'm going to digress a little bit, but that's kind of how the show runs. So I recently did an interview with Joe Fairless. You know Joe Fairless? Yeah, I was actually on his show about a couple months ago. Okay, so he's got quite the story, right, dude? Three years ago, wasn't doing shit with apartments. Didn't really know anything about them. And built up a huge podcast audience by having a seven day a week, uh, seven day a yeah, seven day a week every day, mm-hmm. best real estate advice ever show. Now he has a hundred thirty five million dollars worth of apartments in a literally le- uh, less than three year period, and he I think yeah he owns ten percent, so he keeps ten percent right. Their, their carve out is like thirty percent. Or something like that, and uh, he's given out twenty to his guys that are doing all the work, and ten percent for him for like you know being the marketer, the guy that raises all the money, and he is the one that raises all the money. They don't raise shit. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, what I thought was interesting, which I want to ask you, is this: so his model is a little different. Everybody's model is different, you know. Andrews is is try to refi as much as possible and take it out so the investor can then, you know, reinvest that money again and again and again and up their returns because they're invested in several things. For instance, uh, Dave and Josh's model is buy and hold, right? Uh, never really refinancing or or selling, I believe. Uh, get them, I'll have to get them on the show to, to get them to explain it. Uh, a model like Joe Fairless, right, is to refi... But when they refi, they don't give all the money back to the investors. They actually keep some in the company. You don't do that, right? No, we don't. The, the, only, the only part we withhold is it, and it doesn't go to the company and the sponsor. So let's say – actually, which, which is a perfect example. We just did one in Houston where we, you know, we got our supplemental loan and we were able to return the uh, good amount of the investor's capital. And then what we did is we took, uh, I think we took about 200000 and we set it into the property's reserve account. So not, not, not DAF's account. Okay, not, so how yeah, much? Not- so 200000 into the reserve account, uh, and 200000 was what percentage of the total? Uh, out of the refi, it was maybe the 15%. But... Is what that money still actually belongs to the investors because it, it's it's in the property's account and what it's there for is you know if a hurricane comes through and tears off the roofs or whatever we can get those roofs replaced right away and then haggle with the insurance company later rather than have a, a property that's got leaking roofs and full of mold six months later uh, or just you know the lender comes up with some crazy requirement just you know we want to make sure that we keep enough capital on hand so that we're never going back to people saying hey we're a little short so about 15 we, yeah about 15% of the refi which ended up being cuz that refi was what 50% of the total on that one 
I think it was forty. I don't. Re- I don't recall. Okay, so forty percent. We, we did like five or six last year, so, so <laughs> I get them confused. Right. So seven and a half percent of the the value is what you roughly. I'm just making this up of what you what you actually held back. Yeah, because you know it was surprising. Actually, I didn't know you did that, but that and and that's fine, and I understand. Uh, he was talking numbers where he bought something for fifteen million, then then sold it for. I mean, not sold it, got a value appraisal of like twenty two million, and then then they refi. And I said, "What went back to the investors?" He said, forty percent." I said, "Well, that doesn't make the numbers don't add up." You know, if you if you max them out, uh, even a seventy percent LTV, you're going to come out with you know more than you paid. And so, why would you only give forty percent? And hmm. he said, "Well, we want to keep money in the account." I guess I, I was neglect in asking him, you know, how much actually he got exactly. But in my mind, I was thinking he got almost double that. It was very conservative of what he kept in account. But I could be completely wrong. It could be 7.5% of the total or 15%, like you said, too. And, and you could be doing the same exact thing. So anyways, thanks for clarifying that. Let's get back into about you. So what what would you say your LTI is, your left to invest? What do you, what do you have left over you know, um, after you're paid, I, I guess, do you count vertical? Do you count any vertical income or do you count, uh, you know, your management fees and your refi fees as uh, horizontal? I can, I treat the fees as vertical because I have to, there's a very specific thing I have to do to, to earn those or get those, especially on the acquisition and disposition side. The um, the monthly one percent fee I do treat that as as horizontal even though you know I'm still technically working to to get it um, and it's it's kind of a transitory thing and you know the first eighteen to twenty four months of an of owning an apartment complex really you could almost consider it all vertical because I'm putting a ton of time and effort into it I'm flying out there weekly conference calls all this kind of all that kind of stuff by the time I get to two years and it's fully stabilized we've completed the refinance. You know, now it's it, at that point it gets a lot easier and it's truly horizontal. So, you know, so fees I treat as vertical. The recurring monthly income, you know, I kind of look at it and say, okay, if I didn't work for a month, would I still get this? And the answer is yes. So, okay, that's horizontal. Got now, it. am I going to work? Yes, because I want to make sure that grows. Right, and you got to deal with all that's the bullshit that you have to, you know, refinance. And I mean, those, you know, because I've been a sponsor on two and. There's a lot of work that goes into those refinance. I mean, one of oh, them yeah. I had to fly out to Atlanta for, if you remember, and physically be there because it was the bank was so <laughs> old fashioned, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> now that was great. That was great. I brought I brought my dad with me. He was eighty two. That was a cool trip, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he had a blast. And that that was something I always wanted. I had on my goal list is to you know travel somewhere with my dad, just one on one, and uh, he he got a trip out of that. So anyway, so um, okay, so. Left to invest is what? What do you? What do you? What do you left yeah, to invest last yourself? Yeah, probably. Last year, probably a hundred something. Okay, cool. And uh, and and then you've been lucky enough, obviously. Uh, you know, through this, you know, you work. You're working for wealth because you keep a percentage of all these deals. And uh, like David always says, you know, you you invest. You you work for two things: education or or wealth, right? So you're you're working for wealth and. It's working out well. Okay, so so what about your life happiness index? Uh, seven point eight. All right, that's awesome. Yeah. What, what's your low spot? Like of all the of the six pillars, which which one do you suck at? Yeah, 
You know, as I would honestly, I you know, I think the one I'm the worst at really is probably spiritual and contribution. Um, mm. you know, as you know, I'm I'm a committed Christian, so I have I have very strong beliefs. But as a as a um, you know, as David likes to say, as a high C uh, and or a very analytical guy. I do. I struggle with meditation and and taking time for for prayer and just some of the less scientifically provable aspects that come along with that pillar. Uh, and then you know, on the contribution part of it, I, I'm I'm fairly strong with financial contribution, but that's really not a pat on the back to be because to be candid. It's probably the easiest way for me to contribute. Where I'm not good is contributing a lot of time. Um, so that would probably be my weakest one. Okay. How can we help you? How can you go, bros? Pick you up there. Well, I've been so the last year or so. I've I've tried to make a conf- really conscious effort to do two things. One is is to to, to give more time wise and financially to one life. And then also, you know, I, when I look back, I would not be anywhere near where I am without guys like you, Pat, and Tim, and, and countless others uh, giving me a hand up, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, let me pull you up and teach you how to do this or show you this or just talk to you about this. And so I've really tried to carve out a little bit of time every week to whether it's like abundance guy or someone who just finds me online, just doing informal mentoring you know so a guy you know, people reach out hey can i just pick your brain about this and so what i do what i do now is i tend to have long car drives because i you know go into all of our properties and all that so what i do is i now schedule those car drives for people that um i'm gonna talk to usually on the phone and just and, and teach them just let them you know, whatever their question is whatever they're looking to learn or help uh, i try to block out those times to do that and, and that's been really rewarding uh, I you know, and I need to. Frankly, I, I need to spend more time uh, with some of our the, the service oriented things at at our church as well. Uh, so those are those. That's kind of what I'm doing on in that area. That's awesome. Okay, so where where do you want to be ten years from now? Right where I am physically. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cool. no, and I'm actually dead serious. You know. Veronica and I were fortunate enough that when you know the we live we live we owned our we owned a condo, but then when we moved up to our house, the house that we bought was basically a house. We're like, hey, we could see ourselves retiring in this. So really, and then also, I uh, you know as our horizontal income grows and everything, we. No, not that there's anything wrong with it, but for us, we don't care about moving to another house. We just love where we are, and we, we've built this beautiful garden outside, and the kids are growing up here. So in 10 years, we'd love to be living right here in Southern California with the beaches and the mountains, uh, enjoying more time with the kids. They'll be, let's see, 10 years. One will be in high school. The other will be in junior high, and uh, have plenty of horizontal income that covers you know business and personal like to be probably a little more diversified as well um so not only apartments but maybe some notes and some other investments and spending more time giving back uh as well and then also i'm about to turn about to turn 40 which is great that means uh the inside of my nose and ears are finally hitting puberty uh, but in 10 years, I'll be 50, and I want to be in as good or even better shape than I am right now. 
That's awesome, dude. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna shift gears here, Drew, and, and hit you with a couple questions, or one uh, at least now, maybe one towards the end uh, from the GoBundance app. All right. Andrew Cushman, what have you given up on that still wants to be pursued? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Given up on when you say still wants to be pursued, you meaning in my deep in my heart somewhere I still want to pursue it? Or yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Still given up on that still wants to be pursued. Uh, okay, I, I got one. So I've got uh, one of the goals that I just have not done well with the last couple of years. Is you know I I I'm stay in pretty good shape. I do uh, a very consistent workout schedule of big workouts. But what I'm not good at, and a goal that I've kind of given up on, is the whole the daily movement. Right, like at least you know do you know mm. ten or twenty minutes of getting your heart rate heart rate up every day. Yeah, and um, you know so on the, on the days where I don't have a scheduled workout, I, uh, most of the time I I fail at that. I don't I, I haven't done that the last two years and. Uh, I, in fact, I just the other day when I was reviewing my goals, I was like, you know what? If I'm gonna be, if I'm going to be true to myself, I, I need to take that off of there if I'm not going to do it. Uh, so I think that probably actually qualifies for for something that I've given up on that really probably still wants to be done. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I you know I think about that too uh, lately because you know I used to be a runner, I used to run marathons, races all the time, bash my knees up. So I started doing yoga uh, on the regular and um, weight training. Uh, with a trainer and and recently him and I had a discussion and I said you know I really want to get my uh, have more conditioning to get my heart rate up because you know uh, you know I don't get that I'm in good shape I think you know shape wise but but the heart rate thing doesn't happen a lot especially if I'm just doing a lot of you know if my cardiovascular conditioning has to do with walking right? Which I do walk a lot of steps, but your heart rate doesn't really go up when you walk a lot of steps. So, yeah. so he's added, you know, of the hour I see him three times a week, you know, like 15 minutes or at least 10 minutes of, of some sort of cardiovascular where I'm like winded and my heart is going bum, 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 bum. And, um, when I do yoga, I try to do as many inversions as possible because when you flip upside down, all, all the blood goes to your heart and then your heart starts beating a lot faster. I mean, you could do, you can do a handstand or a headstand, and have a similar heartbeat as like four or five suicides across a size of a basketball gym. You know what I mean? So, oh, that, I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Try and try inverting and uh, see how fast your heart starts beating. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. There's other ways to do it, but I think I think uh, I'm with you too. I, swimming is a great way to do it without you know without screwing up your joints or if you're if you have shitty joints like i do uh in the knees at least but uh but you got to have a pool and you gotta have the ability i know you swim a lot right and you you surf a lot too right yeah i do uh i um i swim at the gym and i do uh, i do you know endurance swims and then i mix it with uh, uh sprints and the sprints are really designed for so that i can uh, out paddle my uh, 100 other surfing buddies here in southern california and still catch waves so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right <laughs> uh if i asked you to name them all could you <laughs> yeah. they just randoms out in the way yeah, just, just pick that a dude. few hundred random names that are out there. <laughs> they're all named zach um all right so um let's see <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Uh, all right. So, what's your? How much do you weigh? Hundred and seventy nine point four pounds. Damn. And um, what? What's your GB nine score? Uh, Whistler, it was two forty six. You know what body fat you are? Eleven percent. Sweet. And uh, what about your diet? What's your diet like now? Uh, you know, we're it. Veronica and I are, are constantly working and pushing to shift healthier and healthier, and that just means less and less processed, uh, somewhat of a shift towards organic. So, you know, mornings, I'm, I'm morning is probably my consistently healthiest meal. I eat a lot of uh, like kashi and fresh fruit and um, like vegetable juice. Um, so I'm really, really, I'm really good in the mornings, you know, lunches, dinners, uh, you know, I'm still kind of on the, the reverse diet of what you're supposed to, or the reverse meal plan of what you're supposed to be. So lunch and dinner is probably my biggest meal, even though it should be breakfast. Uh, we try to eat a lot of stuff where like, we'll just get those like zucchinis and just, you know, lightly heat them up and eat them. Uh, but at the same, you know, so a lot of, we're, we're trying to do more fruits and vegetables. I still eat more meat than probably is necessary or needed um not red meat mostly chicken and fish mm. uh, but you know if really varied i mean candidly there's nothing unless i just unless it just repulses me the idea of putting in my <laughs> mouth there, there there's nothing that is not on the menu I'm, I'm a big believer in you know anything in a moderate or small amount is is really fine uh it's when you have something consistently to excess that it can cause problems. I mean, you can literally kill yourself by drinking wow. too much water, right? You know, so, you know, w you know, one thing of French fries a month, is it healthy? No. Is it going to make a big difference in the, at the end of the day? Probably not. But if you do it every day, you're going to, you know, you're going to ruin your life. The compound so. effect. The compound yeah, effect. Exactly. I know, I know. Like one of the ways Mike McCarthy lost like 30 pounds, you know, he quit drinking during the week. And where he was having like four or five IPAs, you know, before bed, you know, his calorie intake, because those fucking IPAs are like 500 calories a piece, went down oh, yeah. to like two nights a week. And uh, it's the compound effect. You know, we don't we don't think about it, but you have a half bottle of wine tonight and uh, a night and you're thinking, you know, it's a major compound effect. So it's and, and, and dessert, too. Right. You have dessert every night. There's a compound effect with that. Next thing you know, oh, yeah. two years later, you're, you know, 10 pounds heavier and you wonder what happened. Yeah. And so like, well, and that's one of the things I did is I actually made a rule about two years ago that I am not allowed to have junk food at my desk because I realized I was eating small amounts of junk food throughout the day at my desk. And I'm like, okay, this is not healthy. And how many pounds is this adding up to? Yeah. So that, 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 that small change really made a big difference. And it probably cut my, my sugar intake down quite a bit. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it, your health is, it's kind of like a piggy bank, right? I mean, you put a quarter in there, it's not going to make a big difference that day. But over years and years and years, the more, you know, what you put in is going to determine what you can take back out, right? So that's kind of how I look at it. That's awesome. So, uh, Andrew, what one event raised your self-esteem the most in your life? Um, ooh, that's a good question. You know, I could, I could, I could go with a couple, but... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back early, and so when I moved back to Texas for the final time and became a Texican once again, uh, and that was at the beginning of high school, and you know I just started. I was midway through my freshman year, and I hadn't really thought too much about grades or anything. And at the beginning of my sophomore year, 
I found out that the first person to walk at graduation is the valedictorian, right? And so I said, you know, I want to be the first guy to walk across the football field when I graduate. And uh, there were 314 other kids in my class, which means I had to beat out 314 other kids. And uh, I did. I just said, you know, what? I'm going to end up with the highest grades in my high school. And by uh, my senior year, I graduated first and, and, and was the first one to walk across that stadium. And that was just a that was a it was a definitely a self-esteem booster. But it was also just like, wow, OK. If I'm persistent and dedicated and really set my mind to something, what else could I do? Um, so that was, that, that was, I'd say that's one. That's awesome. That's cool. I like it. I like it. It's funny how things uh, early in life, I think uh, some, some things, you know, we remember as major self-esteem boosters, you know. I can't remember much of the last 10 years there was a major self-esteem booster. But I can probably remember three between the age of – you know, 18 and 22, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, cool, man. All right. So let's talk a little bit about some bucket list items. What do you got on your bucket list? Well, you know, I just knocked off actually what one of my top ones and that's, uh, you know, I do a lot of backcountry skiing and a good friend of mine, we've been doing that together for uh, like 17 years now. And for the last 15 years, we're like, Oh man, we got to go to the Chugash in Alaska. Cause that's, you know, if you Google, uh, you know, world's best or steepest heli skiing. That's what comes up. And uh, so we just, oh, we got to go. So we finally booked it. And actually Tim Roden and, and, and one other person came along. So we had our own private group of four. And we hit the heli skiing lotto. I mean, like, you know, when you, when, you, when you have an adventure or a life event or a trip or just anything and you have that ideal picture in your mind of, okay, if this just goes absolutely perfect, this is what it's going to look like. And you just kind of tell yourself, all right, don't, you know, don't expect that because, you know, it's just probably not going to happen. We, that's what happened. I mean, every single aspect and element just came together. And it was the most epic trip, uh, especially ski trip I've ever been on. Uh, we had an incredible group of people. We got five straight days of cold, deep powder with sun and no wind, which in Alaska just doesn't happen. I mean, you, you, they get a thousand inches of snow. You know, it has to. You have to have a lot of cloudy, stormy days for that to happen. And I mean, it was just we skied a hundred thousand vertical feet, and it was just absolutely um, epic. I had one of the one, you know, so for one of my top items, and it went as, as good as it could. But uh, you know, I'd say going forward. Or would you so? Do you want you want me uh, like top yeah. five greatest hits? Yeah, or just yeah, top yeah. Five? Like, we'll do we'll do future greatest hits, and then we'll do your past greatest hits. How about that? Oh, okay, sure. Well, my future greatest hits. Um, I need to go back and kind of because some that. of those are the same as bucket list items. So kind of you, if, unless you just have five bucket lists or a couple other bucket list items. You know. Yeah, mine actually mine actually are different. So for my so stuff like. Yeah, you know, being a grandparent and and you know having celebrate you know celebrating like my seventieth wedding anniversary and things like that. Wow. Those kind of, those kind of things are on my future top five, but I don't. Those are more. I don't. I don't see it as a bucket list. I see it as a constant, ongoing thing that I'm working on and growing towards, and it's something I'm never going to really check off. So I, it's kind of almost a, it's like a, so yeah, it's a future greatest hit, but it's not quite a bucket list. So my my bucket list is a little more advent is kind of adventure oriented. So like go you know, 
Now, some of the next ones are, I want to go on a 30-day Australia, New Zealand cruise where you just go around and hit all, you know, just see like everything. Uh, I want to go on a storm chase and catch a tornado. And not, not a little wimpy one, but a really good one, too. Um, I want to, another thing we want to do is when the kids are a little bit older, we want to toss the boys in the back of the car and just do a three-month road trip all around the U.S. and maybe even maybe even Canada. Just literally drive around the continent for for three months, have a few points kind of laid out in advance, but really just say, hey, that looks cool. Guys want to stop and check this out and just do that for, for an entire summer or something. Uh, another thing I want to do is I want to collect my own sample of molten lava. So I have uh, I have lava rock, but I want to, I want to get it when I actually want to collect it when it's when it's liquid and red hot. And then I want to see Earth from space. So those those are those are five. Uh, oh, nice big ones! I love them. Yeah, yeah, little bu- bucket list items. That's like, yep, did it. That was awesome. What's the next one? So okay, so then let's jump into greatest hits. What's your five past greatest hits? Five past greatest hits. So um, the one was the, the the high school thing that I mentioned. Uh, we talked about a minute ago. You know, another one was was meeting and marrying Veronica. She uh, is just the absolute perfect uh, spouse, partner, and mate for me in in every regard, romantically, spiritually, intellectually. Um, I mean, she's the you know she's the support she's she, she and she also she's our she's my business partner she uh she, she's the she does a lot of the work in the background stuff that just you know people don't don't hear about or see and i get kind of the a lot of the the exposure and the glory but you know she, she's doing a ton in the background she's also taking care of the kids so that uh and me in the house and then everything else so that uh, that i can focus on that stuff uh so that was that and that's probably the most important one of them all frankly uh, another another greatest hit was when I was in high school. I said, "Okay, I want to quit my job and have financial independence by the time I'm 34." I quit my job when I was 29, uh, so that was that was definitely a good one. Uh, another one it would be just just creating our current lifestyle. It was you know one of the whys behind even when I was in high school of wanting to run my own business and not having a regular job was I wanted to be home and available for my kids and family when I had them. And so coming up on in June, it'll be of 10 years where I've worked from home. And so our, you know, my oldest was born five years ago. I haven't missed a thing. I've been, you know, except for, you know, traveling a week here, traveling a week there. I've been home with the kids and my wife every day of my kid's life. And so just being here, you know, everyone says, oh, they grow up so fast. And that's absolutely true. And so I don't feel like I've missed anything. And that was something that I, from just decades ago I wanted to create. And, and my wife and I have created that and we have that. So that that's a greatest hit. And then uh, another one that just it, it kind of seems small and, and, and almost silly. But uh, our my entire life, um, you know, as, as you could tell from before, we moved around a lot as I was growing up. My parents still move around a lot. Uh, well, we had, you know, our last name's Cushman, so we had this big metal C that would be get mounted on the outside of every house we ever lived at, and it was something that was just really important to my mom, 
And for a variety of circumstances, when they moved from um, Southern California to Northern California, that actually accidentally got left behind and became the property of the people who bought bought our house. <laughs> were they were they also named something with a C? <laughs> no, they weren't. Which is the really <laughs> funny thing. Right? So uh, I actually, uh, I actually, you know, about it took took like a year and a half. Uh, but I actually managed to uh, reacquire the uh, the fam- the family heirloom what'd, metal C. What'd you, ha- what'd you do? Go knock on the door? Yeah, I did. I just I kept you know the the house was about an hour and a half away from where I live. But I just, I kept going up there and you know leaving notes and doing things and <laughs> and it was funny. I finally got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna bring a huge ladder and go get it, you know. And um, finally, I actually they 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 reached out and they're like, yeah, sure, you know, and come you know come and get it. And so I just went and picked it up uh, one day and you know, it's like I said, it took about a year and a half. And then went up to my mom and dad's house for Thanksgiving and it was just like, hey, I got a present for you. And, uh, you know, it was just funny, this old metal sea ended up being this big teary-eyed event, and uh, it, was, it was really cool. Um, and uh, so that's going uh, to eventually someday start going on, uh, on my house. <laughs> that's and, awesome, because uh, you could have easily went to the hardware store and got one for 99 cents. <laughs> well, it, well, no, no, it's like uh, it's like uh, it's like three and a half feet tall. It's wrought iron. Oh, it's geez, a, yeah. three and a yeah. half feet tall. Wow, so, I'm so surprised it'll, it'll the people didn't. I'm surprised they didn't take it down. If, if you know, if their name is you know Pinkusky or something with a P, <laughs> why would they have a C up there? You know, you know, it was a vacation home for them in the mountains, so I don't think they uh, just got around to it. You know, that's a great story though. As a son, you know what I mean. Like uh, no one else would have done that. Right, you did it, and now this C is going to be like a family heirloom, right? It's going to get passed on. Your boys are going to have this giant C, one of them. (laughs) They're going to be fighting over who gets the giant C, you know? Yeah, hopefully hopefully our boys aren't like, really? i got to take this? Come on. Well, my wife's dad died, and, you know, and he was a hunter, and so a lot of the you know, his stuff that really was meaningful that they were able to take from these big, like we have this, a big giant fish, which is, which is fine. But, um, her sister got this massive bear. That's like six feet tall, you know, <laughs> thank God we didn't get that bear, but she can't get rid of it now. Right. Cause it's her father's bear yep. that he shot himself, you know, on some expedition. And it's, it looks like something you'd see in a museum and, you know, but that's that, connected to him yeah you know? i'm sure it ties the room together so. yeah we got a two feet fish so i'd much rather have that so i mean uh you know maybe in the basement when we had little kids it'd have been fun but uh anyway so that's awesome well, i love it in big metal sea well th- listen drew this has been great brother i appreciate you coming on today and and sharing so much and uh, keep rocking out buddy and i'll see you at the next event definitely will good talking with you pat take care my friend Grab life big.